time on seeking God. We sort of got this grid system here. We talked about why we seek God. I'm sure that all of you remember some points of why you're seeking God. Anyone shout out anything? Why do we seek God? Why are you seeking God, right? I hope that we need Him. We need Him, absolutely. What else? Out of obedience. Obedience. It's commanded, exactly. <coughs> what else? To know Him. Right? This class, the light, our emphasis, our mission is get, getting to know Christ and becoming like Him. Alright, so we're seeking Him to know Him. What else? Any, anybody remember anything else in seeking God? He's God. Because He's God and He's worthy. And we're nothing apart from God's grace and mercy and life imparted to us. So we seek Him because He is God. Exactly. How about, how do we seek Him? When we go before Him, so we know why. We need Him. We need things from Him. We need to enter, we're so dependent on Him. And we want to get to know Him. But how do we approach Him? Through humbly. prayer. Through prayer. We're going to go humbly in prayer. Humbly. What else? Good. Repentant. Repentant. Holding on to no sin. Or holy. Right? We're all going to be make mistakes and sin, but that doesn't mean we're not holy. He's imparted His holiness to us. A holy life is one that recognizes their sin immediately and deals with it. So we don't go holding on to any sin, saying, oh, I'm, I want it my way, God. <clears throat> what else? Humbly, holy, holding on to no sin. Persistently. Persistently, right. This is a lifetime pursuit that won't stop until we meet Him face to face. So we have to be perseverant, persevere and persistent. Um, in faith. In faith. We've got to expect Him to hear and answer prayer. That's what He says in His Word. So good. <coughs> then what are some of the results? Away. Right. That's a protective. If we, we will start to drift if we don't seek Him. Persistently, daily, the hungry, holy heart um, what are some of the results? <clears throat> peace. Grace. 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 Grace, peace. What else? So we said we, why we seek Him, to get to know Him. Will we find Him? We draw near to Him? And that's His promise, right? So we will get to know Him. Again, that's what we're focused on. We'll start developing this intimacy. The most important thing in life is a personal, intimate walk with Christ. Nothing can compare. <coughs> Somebody said peace, less worry, anxiety, stress. We're going to have fruitful lives, we talked about. We're going to have confidence. We're going to be cleansed. Cleansing, confidence. These are some of the results or rewards. So then we've shifted over. Okay, so we know why we seek Him. We know how we seek Him. We know these wonderful rewards and results, but I would say the majority of Christians don't seek Him regularly, unfortunately. So we're asking the question, why? What are these hindrances, these barriers? Why don't we seek God? 
okay? Everyday life. The busyness of life, okay? So we're going to get to that. And the first one we talked about is, you know, are we saved? If we have no desire, no interest, no inclination, we might just come because our wife has brought us here every Sunday and knew the right words because we grew up in church. But do we have a personal relationship? And if we do, there should be a hunger within us to get to know Him. And then the busyness of life. That's what we talked about last time. And we used Mary and Martha, right, from Luke. And what do we say about Mary and Martha? Because I think busyness for all of us is probably the biggest issue, at least for me. Um, Busyness is huge in this culture today. We just get so busy. So what are the... you guys remember what we talked about in Mary and Martha? Right. So we we saw Mary and Martha, and Martha opened her heart. Excuse me. Mary opened her heart. Martha opened her home. Right. So Martha did good things. Sacrificial was was going to give and serve, but she never truly gave Jesus her heart, like Mary did. So we have to be careful that. We're holding on. I'm going to give the Lord this portion of my life, but this portion of my life I'm reserving for me. Right? And that's not the way the Lord operates. We can't hold any any portion of our life for ourselves. All of our life is Christ, as Rick prayed. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. So I'm going to hand out a few... Just take a card... I'm going to have you, I wanted to do this last time, Um, and on one side, I want you to write down, I suppose I could have split them in half, you want me to split them in half, get some of this side, Uh, one side, whoops, sorry, Peggy, on one side, I just, this is, you don't have to, you're not going to turn these in. This is for you. You can show your spouse, your children if you'd like. What is the main purpose, in one sentence, the main purpose of your life? What is the driving force? What is the big picture of your life? What's the main purpose? What are you living for? are you living for? What's the main purpose on one side? And on the other side, in one word, in one word, what's the greatest, what's your greatest passion? In one word. Okay. So just take a moment and write that down. talking about Mary and Martha 
Again, Martha did a good thing, but maybe not the best, as James said. She kept part of her life. Come into my home, but yet this is my home. I get to dictate. Or are you giving the Lord your heart, your home? It's all His. He does what He pleases. There's a difference. Um, one's holding on to their agenda and plans. The other's obeying the Lord's agenda and plans. So if you're still holding on to part of your life or yourself, you're not fully surrendered. And we need to be fully surrendered if we're going to conquer busyness. Because that's one of the problems Martha had. She wasn't fully surrendered. So she's working, 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 doing good things, but she's not fully surrendered. Um, and it can even be masked by good things. Christian service, taking care of your family, all these things are good. But they may be hiding behind an unsurrendered life. Uh, unsurrendered heart. So what's the big picture of your life? The driving purpose. And one word on the other side, what's the passion of your life? Honestly, not what, you know... If you think about it, what do I think about every day? What am I going about my business every day for? What is the big picture? And then what's the greatest passion in your life? Is it the new, uh, a new job? Is it kids that are well taken care of? Is it pleasing my spouse? What is it? Getting that new car, whatever it may be. And the reason I bring that up is so you can honestly evaluate and examine where you're at. All right? Because we all know, right, what's the answer? What's the answer? What's the big picture? What's the purpose of my life? What's, what, it sh what should it be? Get to know God and become like God glorifying Him. That's really the big picture of our life. That's our purpose. I don't know how many wrote that down, and in honesty wrote that down. And on the other side, what's the answer to, what's the driving passion? What's our greatest passion? Jesus. should be Jesus, right? And if you can answer those questions honestly, and they turn out to be those answers, busyness will be less of a problem in your life because he's the priority because he's the purpose behind everything in my life it's Jesus so getting 15-30 minutes once or twice a day will become less problematic because I'm living for him it's all about him my work is all about him my family's all about him my recreation, it's all about Him. I've given Him my whole life. Um, so the second thing we said was, you know, if you know the big picture of your life, if you, because Martha would have said, Mary's distracted. We have this task we must get done. Mary's distracted, listening to Jesus. Come on, help me. The big picture of her life wasn't getting to know Jesus. 
So Martha's saying Mary's distracted, and Jesus is saying, no, Martha, you're distracted. Because Mary had the big picture of Jesus is my life. I want to know him. I want to learn from him and become like him. So sometimes if we're too busy, make sure you've given him your whole heart, not just your home. You've given him your whole heart and make sure that the big picture of your life is Jesus. <coughs> it's not money. It's not family. It's not job. It's not business. It's Jesus. And then you take Jesus into all of that stuff. Right? You see the difference? Then you're going to work with a purpose. And we're going to talk about running the race. Now I'm running the race with a purpose because Jesus marked out this race for me. And in this race, I'm going to learn about Jesus and become like Jesus. So your work takes on a new meaning when he's the big picture of our life. All right. If it's not Jesus, what happens? We become easily distracted. Um, so we know Martha got distracted. The third thing we, we saw from that story is Martha came and said Jesus. He, she was seeking Jesus for what he could do. She says, Jesus, tell Mary to do this. So we have to look at, if we're being too busy, what are we seeking Jesus for? What he can do for us? If I'm seeking him, because it's not going to happen right away most of the time, when you're seeking the Lord for something he can do for you, usually there's time that he's working on us. And if we'll, we'll give up. Oh, forget it, I'm just going to do it on my own. You could, you know, I need a whatever. Forget it. I'm not going to wait upon the Lord. I'm just going to do it on my own. We need to be recognizing that what are we seeking God for? Maybe God is withholding this so he can prune my character. Again, the big picture is becoming like Christ, not getting a new whatever or a new, another vacation or whatever. All right, so what are we seeking? Mary was seeking Jesus for Jesus. And the final thing is, is you know, um, I like when Jesus said, you know, he told Mary, Martha's chosen what is best. It's not going to be taken from her. And this is Jesus. This is God's words. And Jesus saying, listen, Martha, he wasn't condemning her. He wasn't critical, but he said, Mary's chosen what's best. So make sure Jesus is the one thing you need. Yeah, Rick. So you're, you're living your life, and then a trigger hits, right? Mm -hmm. You recognize the trigger, and God has shown you the trigger. And then you go to him immediately, so that thy will be done. Leave me not in temptation, but deliver mm -hmm. me from evil, you know? Mm -hmm. So... Um, so, like, are you praying for the whole, like, me to be close enough, yourself to be close enough to God that um, the, the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and you listen and you obey? Right. That's a, that's a wonderful personal relationship with Christ. You recognize the Spirit's leading, guiding conviction, and you immediately obey. <coughs> Not, oh, I'm going to consider that. <coughs> God doesn't tell us things to consider. He tells us to obey, and obey immediately, exactly. Um, so we learned a lot from the story on busyness, but again, if you find yourself too busy, this is the checks I do on myself. If I'm getting too busy, wait a minute, what's first in my life? What am I living for? 
Mm, you're right. It's out of balance. I need to refocus. I need to get on my face before the Lord and say, you know what? You're what I'm living for. And then that permeates everything we do. And you're right. There's a balance. I mean, as I know Shane will say, hey, I need to get the work done. I can't just sit here and pray all day. Study the word. Right. Well, and, yeah, and what I keep thinking when you're saying, like, if you're if you're saying you're too busy, like, I guess we're talking about seeking God, like, maybe in the morning, like, having a quiet time. Like, if you're saying you're too busy for that, because obviously changing your focus about what you're doing mm-hmm. in life is not going to make you less busy. Right. Unless you choose to maybe opt out of activities or whatever. Right. I mean, if you, you all have a large family. I mean, you know, right. family of six, family of seven, or mm-hmm. I guess no matter what size you are, I mean... Mm-hmm. You know, you're working, you're taking care of your family, you're technically busy. Right. Yeah, exactly. So what we're saying in this is the busyness may not change, but there may be. Maybe we're overextended and we're, you know, not trusting God and we're trying to make an extra buck or get an extra thing and God's saying, no, that's probably not what I want for your life right now. Yeah. You know, right. So there is, he may scale us back, but in the busyness of life, this is the difference when you are putting him first, then you take his power, his spirit, his understanding, his wisdom into everything you're doing. So, um, in Luke 10, I'll get right to you, James, one second. Um, Luke 10, at the end, and that's what we said, if we choose to continue to live a busy life, um, what does he say? You are worried and upset about many things. You're worried and upset about many things. If we choose to live a busy life apart from Christ, we will be worried and upset about many things. We can have the same business. I know for my life, my business doesn't change. But when my focus is Christ, I'm not worried, I'm not upset, there's peace, there's joy, even though I'm doing the same thing. So, um, we can remain with the same amount of things to do. Well, yeah, I mean, I was just making that distinction. Right, you're right. I mean, I could ask that question, you know. Absolutely. Just for example, like, my kids are in the musical this weekend, but they also have school events going on this weekend, Mm -hmm. technically. So, we are in a busy season, you know, which is unavoidable because we continue to clothe and feed and school those children. And my husband continues to work. So, the busyness is unavoidable unless, I guess, we say no, Mm -hmm. we can't. Yeah, right, and that has right. We shouldn't wear clothes and eat. <laughs> <laughs> right, so the busyness may remain. <laughs> the busyness may remain, but you won't be worried and upset when you're putting yeah. him first. Mm-hmm. But there is a time, right, when he may say, "You know, Justin, that's not, that's not where I want you. You're overextending. You're saying yes. I can say yes to too many things, even good things." And you know, the Lord's saying, "No, you need to back off." You need to take the Lord into the busyness so he's continually there. there. Right. Absolutely. That's putting him first. That's seeking him daily throughout the day. Yes. Um, We call it walking. Walking with him. Taking him into the busyness. Right. Exactly. James, I'm getting back to you. Yeah, I guess uh, my thought process, too, is think of it like a business. You have employees. You have some employees which they know the guidelines or scriptures and they'll do just bare minimum to meet that. They'll go home at five and they're done. But then you said passion on here. The mm-hmm. passionate employees, they're not concerned with the guidelines. They're concerned about doing the right job 
right. and you never have to worry, are they doing a good job? And that, take that to life. It's, mm -hmm. If our passion is Christ, then we're not looking at what we need to get through. <coughs> we're looking at serving Christ. And good point. Then you don't have to worry about all the others. So right. I guess uh, Luke 10, Matthew 6, mm -hmm. it's do not worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Mm -hmm. It's focused on today and now. And if you're walking with Christ, then he's leading your direction as well. Right. And you'll have peace and confidence within that. Absolutely. Do you think that when um, Christians uh, want to do something on their own and not wait for the Lord, that the Lord puts up roadblocks to make sure I, I that... I think in his, yes, he's done it in my life. And then that person can't get to that point until he goes to Christ first. Yeah, that's out of his love and mercy and grace that he's doing that. Again, he's interested in our heart, not the world's things. You know, because he sees all of eternity... And he knows what lies ahead of us, the rewards in heaven for an obedient, God-fearing life versus all the pleasures and privileges of this world, which account to nothing. I'll, I'll never forget, it was a, a few months ago, you said, um, you know, what, what could take you two hours without Jesus could mm -hmm. take you a half an hour with Jesus. That just kind of ties in with what she mm -hmm. was saying. Yeah. You know, it, right. it, we think that we're too busy to spend time with God, but when we spend the time with God, out of that, out of that obedience, He then blesses us. Right. And even our time looks different. Right. Absolutely. And that leads me to say, we need to give God the chance to prove Himself faithful. I know, as men, we're, we just want everything just tied up so nice and I've got this planned and this prepared and there's that's absolutely right but it's all me and it can create stress and worry instead of saying you know what Lord I'm going to trust you for these finances I'm going to obey you and I'm going to give you the chance to show yourself faithful in other words if it's time you know what Lord I don't have the time but I'm going to make the time Get 30 minutes with you in the morning before I get going and watch the day. Give you the chance to show yourself faithful. Um, I wish you guys could have all been in, in blast down with Shane and I last week. Dr. Metzler shared from Isaiah about the Lord calling us to come to him right. and receive basically milk and honey that we did not buy. And in that case, symbolizing rest and mm -hmm. salvation from the Lord. And like Shane and I were walking to Blastone and just kind of asking ourselves, you know, how that plays out in everyday life. And then Mr. Tony gave this great message to the kids on finding rest in the Lord. And he actually brought in a rocking chair and was sitting in a rocking chair mm -hmm. on stage. And then he had these kids come around and they had um, signs that said trials and tribulations, um, things that are scary and worry. And he the kids put those sticks away from him. Mm -hmm. And he symbolized, like, in order to, he called it his rocker of rest in Jesus. Mm -hmm. That was his rocking chair. Mm -hmm. And in order to um, get a trouble or a tribulation or a worry, he had to get out of the chair. Mm -hmm. And to, to us, that answered the question, because it's mm -hmm. not just the time. The time, 30 minutes in the morning mm -hmm. or whatever, that is important. Mm -hmm. But we all know that we've done that on days, and you go through your day, and you can still get your feathers mm -hmm. ruffled, however you want to describe it. Mm -hmm. But it's because you chose to get out of that chair. You know? right. So you get in the chair, but then you have to mentally keep your mind stayed on the Lord. And that mm -hmm. was his verse for the kids. You know, you will keep in perfect peace 
him whose mind is stayed on you. Right. Absolutely. So <clears throat> it is. That's why we're saying he has to be your life. Because when he's your life, you will bring him. Your focus will be on him as you go out into the world. And it's, to me, my focus is seeking him in the first thing in the morning before I go to bed. It just sets my mind in that position, you know. Um, live by the Spirit, you know. Don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Our spirit needs to be filled with the Word, empowered and enabled. I say the battle is won in that 30 minutes on my knees in the Word of God. Because that's when I'm prepared for the onslaughts of life. Because I will go the other way if I'm not in the Word daily. I will drift, or the pressures and concerns will choke me, and I will live according to my flesh. Chris, you've been waiting. I was <laughs> <coughs> saying, uh, I tell my kids all the time, you get a choice to make, either do this right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And then that's the thing where you're, you're talking was when she had her surgery. I didn't know it was coming. You know, times of life going to come. I think if you had a time in the Word with God, like, it was, it was obedience, but also God, you know, get me ready for the time of life. Mm-hmm. I was in the Word, like, the best ever in my life for her surgery. And then the first thing after a soul was going on her surgery, this floored me, was right to the Word in Psalms. Mm-hmm. It me. Right. And now, if we're not in the Word, you know, and right. the flesh you know, comes Here, like this trial here, I mean, right. it's kind of been hard to get in the Word, but the church has been the Word to me. Mm-hmm. That's something God's right. done. But if I'm not in the Word, I'm not focused on Him, and I'll say every day, Lord, Holy Spirit has come in my life, then it's yours. Right. I'm the vessel. Right. You, You're the power, exactly. He's used us like we can't even imagine. Right. Come to us all the time. It's not us. It's the Spirit, it's absolutely. So, um, remember those cards that you've written down. Hopefully they say the right answer. They may not, but then it's a good stepping stone to say, you know what, Lord, I have been living apart from you and I want to get back in your will. And of course the Lord has open arms and welcomes us. And he will take us step by step. Uh, and he will be the focus of our life, the passion of our life. And your spouse will know it. Your children will know it. The people around you will know it. And you'll be running the race as we're going to talk about now. Other hindrances to seeking God. Other barriers. We'll get into the new text today. So that was all review. Now we're going to get into a new text from Hebrews. This is familiar. Familiar. Hebrews 12. 1. 1 through, why don't we just, uh, 1 through 3. Hebrews 12. 1 through 3. Does anybody have that? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand the throne of God. Okay. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. 
in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Okay. That was the ESV. All right, so uh, NIV says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Okay, so this is our text from today. What is the race we're running? What is this race that we're running? As Christians, we're running a race. What is it? The Christian life. The Christian life. And what is the Christian life? You're sitting down, you're telling somebody who's not a Christian, what, what's, what is this race? What is the purpose of a Christian life? What is it? Relationship with Jesus? To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus? Right. Uh, the race set out for us is to get to know Him and to become like Him. And we know that from Philippians. We talked about it. We went through Philippians in the vineyard. Philippians 3.10. Um, you guys remember that, what Paul says? He says, I want to know Christ, the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him. So I want to know him, becoming like him. Um, and so somehow to obtain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all of this. What is this? Knowing Christ, becoming like him. Or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Um, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And we talked about that, right. What is the prize? What is the goal? To know Jesus and become like Him. So the race marked out for us, the Christian life, is to know Christ and to become like Him. Alright, that's the race we're running. Alright, we're running that race. Um, who planned out, who plans out this race? There's a race, there's a course, we know what it is, who planned it? God. Exactly. God's laid out your course, Lori, Shane's course. Your course is different from mine, the goal is still the same, but what happens on that course is directed and dictated by a sovereign God. Does that make any, does that make any influence. If you think about it, say the position I'm in, where I'm at now, what I do, my family, this race, this life, this course is planned out by God, divinely designed. <clears throat> that includes everything, right? Trials, hardships, sorrows. This course of my life has been planned, prepared specifically for me by God. So no matter what you're doing, if you're a stay-at-home mom, and you think, what is this? Changing diapers, putting food on the table. Well, this is the course. Now we, you know, there's this ultimate perfect will of God, and then there's God being gracious and kind to us in our mistakes, but He's laid out the race. And He's divinely designed it for our profit. 
trials, the pains, the hardship are for our profit, because remember what we're what our goal is to become like him, to know him. So these trials, if we if we know that the Lord's plan out the course, are all pointing us to Christ and purifying our heart. He's planned out the course. We're running it because he wants to develop intimacy with us and to create holiness within us. So every task, every trial now takes on meaning and a purpose. No matter how little, how small, what kind of job I'm doing, it takes on meaning because the Lord has planned it out. We may think that we've directed our course, but we know that the Lord ultimately directs our steps. Um, and from a vocational standpoint, I feel like Jonah under the gourd tree, where he says, Therefore now, Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. And, I mean, it's, it's difficult. I mean, right. like, I know a lot of guys in here feel like they're in their vocation and calling, but what do you do when you're in that situation, trying to then apply that scriptural truth, and all you want every Monday morning is out? Right. There's nowhere to turn. Right. So we know that God has planned out your course. He, I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing that. <laughs> he is sovereign. We have choices. We have free will. And we can put ourselves, but ultimately God is sovereign over it. And maybe he knows what Shane needs at this moment in time to purify his heart, to prepare him for service. So you may need to be in, I think of, some situations I've been in that were absolute hell and I wanted to run and God is saying you don't run do not run he's impressing it upon my heart it's happened to me several times one time for up to seven years and I'm saying no I don't like this and it might be my choices that have got me here but all that I'm the man today I am because of those times Get that prayer list and give her a new husband. <laughs> just end it tomorrow, you know? I mean, right. Well, those are the feelings, you know? Right. Those are the feelings, <laughs> but if we can switch, and, and, and if God is the purpose of your life, if He's your passion, you bring Him into that. And I remember saying, God, I will endure whatever you want me to endure because I love you. It sounds phony, Shane, but it's real. And God will enable you to see your job differently. He will empower you within that job. He will bless your character, and it will spill out onto your family, your children, and the people you meet at work. If you look at it as, this is my mission field, Lord, you sent me here. I don't necessarily like the work I'm doing, but I'm working for you. This is where you've got me. And I'm going to stay here until you move me. You know what I mean? He will bless you. I'm telling you, he is faithful. Give him a chance. So instead of looking at, when I looked at the situation, the pain, the problem, these obstacles, this race is an obstacle course, essentially. There's no way I can get under that. There's no way I can get over that. How can I climb through this? There's no way. When I look at God, who's saying, you planned this out for me, you're equipping me with the the ability to get through this, the grace, it's not so onerous. It's real, Shane, it's real. I wonder, like in God's word, we never hear about, and then they were all in awe at the tent that Paul had made. 
or the chair that Jesus had constructed. Right. Yeah. The practical things of life, but in, in the practical things of life, God is creating likeness to Him, character that can go out and serve Him. It is difficult, but it all starts with what we're saying. What's the big picture of my life? If the big picture of my life is not Christ, it's going to be very hard to go through those difficult times. Yeah. Because the opposite can be, I mean, I was, I don't know how, we're all supposed to be honest on our cards, so I made like the Sunday school answer and the real answer. <laughs> and, you know, I said, like, literally some days I feel like uh, teaching is what I'm supposed to do, and the method of which I'm supposed to do is I listen to sounds all day. I'm voice teacher, and I'm, I modify those sounds so that they're pleasing to the ear. And I could go all day long doing that if, if I don't realize that actually, you know, I'm bringing glory to God through, te through teaching. God's using me as a right. teacher. Right. And you may not see the results, but you're living every day for Him in the mundane. <coughs> and in the end, the Lord will reward and bless you. Yeah, I think also, like the fall of man, a lot of, we look at that as a negative that we know right, right or wrong in sinful nature. But God also gives us a choice to control our thought process, control our minds. <coughs> our minds are part of our body, and we can choose how to look at situations. And mm -hmm. uh, what you're talking about, time with Christ, is a focus on what's important, and that changes paradigm shift in the way we think. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, during the hard times, we can, we can sit down and say, this is how I feel, but let's change that. Mm -hmm. And we do have... Obviously, I've been there, so I understand it's not easy, but we do have the, the choice that we can choose how to view a situation right. and right. get out of it right. that way or overcome it. And we've said over and over in here, we need to operate on faith, not feelings, not how I feel, not what I see. We're operating on the truth of the Word of God, and God is faithful. I tell you, give him a chance, and he will prove himself faithful over and over. What do you mean, give him a chance? Surrender your life to him. I'm, I don't want control. I want you to have control, Christ. You lead me every day. I want to be obedient to you. And it, amazing things happen within our hearts, within our, our own self. He changes us. Miranda. And um, thank you for this lesson. I needed this because <laughs> it's yeah. rejuvenating because the worldly me wants to go, oh, I have poor leadership. I have a war zone. Mm -hmm. I'm out of here. This all these peaceful schools with good leaderships. Mm -hmm. you know, I'll go somewhere else. But like you say, you know, the mission, you know, sometimes we have to go into the war zone to right. do our part to try to make it better, mm -hmm. and especially if God is calling us to do that. Right. So, exactly. So. And when we go in with him, his power goes through us to make changes. Um, so, okay, that's just the race that we're on. Now, he goes on to say, um, let us, we know the cloud of witnesses, he lists that in, the, in chapter 11, I'm not going to go into that, but let us lay aside every weight. What are these weights? Let us lay aside every weight. What's a weight? And then he says, and sin, which clings so closely. My, the NIV says, every, lay, throw off everything that hinders, so that's the weights, and the sin that so easily entangles. What's weights? What are these weights that can keep me from seeking God? And I'm on this race. Or 
Mm-hmm. What are some practical weights in our life? What's that? The unknown. The unknown. Not knowing. We don't like that. We want God to give us the whole plan. Tell me the end result before I make a decision. No, it's not usually the way he works. Trust me. You take the first step, he gives you the next step. So the unknown, right, that can hinder us. Anxiety. Worry. Anxiety and worry. Okay, are these sins in of themselves? Not initially. Okay. Anxiety, worry, unknown, fears. False sense of urgency. False sense of urgency, right. The tyranny of the urgent. I've got to do my work. I don't have time to spend time in the Word. Right. And in reality, if the work doesn't get done for half an hour, it really doesn't matter. Right, exactly. Like generational ways of dealing with things, or like we look at like our boss and how he, not not at liberty, but you know, how how they would want us to to Mm -hmm. deal with things. Like I think about, like basically my mom sometimes makes a, an idol out of worry, like that worry equals love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, my daughter's it's an emotion this, taken I'm to the extreme. Right. If I'm not worried, then I'm not doing what I should right. be doing. I'm right. not loving them. I should be worried. <laughs> right. So these emotions God's given, even love and these things, if I'm loving my family so much, it can be a hindrance, so to speak, to seeking God because all my cares and concerns and worries are my family and I'm forgetting, wait a minute. What does he say? If you love your family, love your mother and father more than me, you can't be my disciple. And we know what he's meaning by that. Love me first. I'm your priority. And through (coughs) me, you will be able to love your family more than you could ever imagine. Love me first, and I will love through you. So, right, these are things that can weigh us down and distract us from seeking God. They're not necessarily sins. So they differ, like, from the law. Hey, this is wrong. You know, but to be concerned about my family, that's not a sin. They can turn into sins. Um, but these weights, they can weigh us down, and what they do is they distract our mind. Go ahead, Carl. So yesterday I ran a race. There was the uh, Terrapin Mountain 50K and half marathon up on the mountains, and um, there was <laughs> one guy that I, I ran the half. I didn't run the crazy 50 this time. But um, there's, there's some people that go into that race... Um, over prep, if you will. Huh. So they carry, you know, a heavy first aid kit. They're carrying an extra jacket. They're oh my carrying gosh. sleeve warmers. And they're carrying a backpack with, you know, 10 or 15 pounds of them, right? So it's a long race. It's an enduro then. So, but they're not the fastest people by far. The fastest people may have one handheld water bottle and that's it. And they're relying on the aid stations along the way to sustain them and of course they're prepped physically mm-hmm. but I think sometimes uh, this analogy of laying aside weights is sometimes we have the expectation that everything has to be perfect it's all laid out I'm going to carry all this baggage with me to right. finish this event I think sometimes we put all the structure everything has to be perfect before I'm going to make the move I got to mm-hmm. have all the structures and right. this itinerary planned out and it's, but the but races aren't like that right because there's Excellent. always a surprise. There's always a surprise element. And you have to be willing to adapt mm-hmm. along the course right. to be able to be successful. So I think uh, a big part of this is, you know, you can be running a 50K and your stomach starts messing up. Mm-hmm. And you have to just figure out 
how to adapt in that moment. Maybe that means you pull off that trail and you puke out your guts and then you're good again. But sometimes that means that you have to just uh, you know adapt along the way because the expectations you set almost always for those long events, you know, aren't going to play out in the way you want it to. So I think being overstructured, overprepped right. can be a can be a hindrance to being successful. That's an excellent analogy. They're weighing us down. They're not bad things, no. but they're weighing us down. And our trust isn't in Christ yeah. along the way right. in the aid station, the Holy Spirit, to get us through. Right. Yeah, there's going to be obstacles. But I've got the Holy Spirit. This is the Lord's course. I'm going to make it. Yeah. So we don't have to do everything, get everything in a box. Right. Perfect. Excellent analogy. I was just going to piggyback about trusting the aid stations. And what holds us back is anything which we haven't given over to Christ and trusting Christ with it, mm-hmm. even if it's something which is daily on our minds. Mm-hmm. If we're trusting Christ, we're not worried because can Christ handle it? Yes. And if he chooses not to, then that's Christ has a reason for All that right. too. So mm-hmm. um, not not an easy thing to do, but in, in theory, it's anything right. which is not being fully trusted. Absolutely, and we need to lay these weights aside so we can run the 50K, we can run this race of life unhindered, not weighted down, and remember what's the focus. What does he say? Fix your eyes on... Right, so when we're fixed and focused on Jesus and who he is, and we're going to have some long discussions on knowing God, knowing Christ, but then we don't need the sleeping bag, the first aid kit. I'm trusting God... To provide, I know who he is. This is his course. He's going to enable me to run it. I'm going to trust you. Yeah, and if you want me to bring something along, I'm going to bring it. But it's going to be under your direction and your guidance. So um, that's those are fantastic uh, points. Now, we don't have much time left to get into... Um, I put down um, sort of the trust issue... But what these are doing, they're not directly sins, but they're dividing my mind and dividing my heart from complete devotion to Christ. When I'm worried, concerned, anxious, trying to get everything perfect before I set out on God's path, whatever it may be, I'm divided, I'm distracted. My devotion isn't fully for Christ. I'm not fixing my eyes on Christ. Um, All right. Now we had, maybe I'll go into those. So... Luke 10, we talked about, um, let's go to Luke 8.14. You guys know this, the sower. Um, I don't know if I should get into actual sin and say that for next time. Um, Luke 14, 8.14, I'll just read this. He's talking about the parable of the seed, and we know that, but 8.14 says, The seed that fell among the thorns... So the word of God falls along the thorns, um, stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked, choked, strangled by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. They're not, they're getting choked along the way, weighed down, and they will not mature. Okay, and again, what are we talking about? The Lord wants to mature us, grow us up in Him to become more like Him, to know Him. So that's, that's where many of us find ourselves, is we're being weighed down um, by the worries and concerns of this world, just like Martha was, right? Martha, Martha, you're worried and concerned about many things. You don't have to be. 
That's basically what Christ is saying. Choose what Mary's chosen. Um, okay, so the next one, we've got five minutes, but um, we're going to get into... what. Okay, let's just stay with the same thing. Um, how do I deal with these? How do I deal with these worries, these anxieties, these concerns? Can anybody bring up some scripture to help me? God's word says to cast our cares on Him. That is probably probably one of the hardest scriptures for me to t- tangibly understand, practically understand. I mean, I understand the concept, but mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the idea, of, oh, you just you give God your concerns, you you roll it off your back onto Him, and He'll carry it for you. But um, that's that is one of the hardest things in my life. I mean. 40 some odd years to to be able to actually do in in the moment or just even in reflection it's like ah I need to give that to God that is it's it's a very difficult thing because I think anxiety and worry you know they've followed me for the last 10 years really you know there's a lot of weights there's a lot Mm -hmm. of life changes and what if somebody does this and and I realize that my heart is it it is aimless you know because I am and, and I don't mean like I, I worry right. about my salvation, but it's, it's right. aimless in terms of like, well, now I have this thing I need to care for. I mean, I have children, I have, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. if I don't go to work on time, mm-hmm. I'm going to not have a job, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's, right. like, and I think this is kind of to Shane's point a little bit mm-hmm. of, there's a thing I have to do. Mm-hmm. I have to, you know, if I don't cook the meal, mm-hmm. we're not going to eat, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's in that practical sense, right. so in that, in that same way. How do I then cast my care onto mm-hmm. the Lord? All right. So, right, you're talking about 1 Peter 5, 7. Um, I'll read 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So, I think part of it is humbling yourself and getting before God and saying, you're my priority, not my life. I'm trusting you to work this through. And again, give God the chance. Test me. Try me. And I'll show you how faithful I am, how big I am, how sovereign I am over the affairs of man. I think the hope is in completion of the picture. Because if you look where Jesus explains the parable of the sword and the seed, he goes, it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And when he says, I'll lift you up in due time, that, that might not mean success here in the life. What he's talking about is his return. Right. And that there's a kingdom coming. Right. That's why we cast off our weight, and that's why we pursue, not for this life, for what's coming. Yeah. Right. And I think we fail to bring the eschatology right. into the conversation a lot of time. Right. And really, that is hope. And now I'm kind of flipping full circle. And that brings hope to why you can work a crappy job or, right. or whatever. It's, right. it's not that God may never bring anything successful in my life in this time. But it's in knowing him and knowing that he is returning to set up a kingdom here. (coughs) Right. So we have to not fall. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, not be conformed by the world. What happens to me, Shane, is my definition of success flips to the world. Success is, in God's eyes, is very different than a great job, lots of money, a big car, everything I need. That's not success in God's eyes. Success is a humble heart, surrender to Him, seeking after Him no matter what happens in this life. 
So we're, yes, we need, if we have an eternal perspective, and I'm going to stay in this job, Lord, because you're making me the man I need to be to serve you and bring you glory. And in the end, you're going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. It makes it a lot easier when our perspective is eternally and not temporally. So we bring that in, but don't forget God loves us here and now, and he's got a plan and a purpose to make you the man he wants you to be, to show you how much he loves you, to show you his care and concern. Just think the sovereign of this world, I mean this universe, you know, we're just a speck, we're nothing. But yet he chooses to come down and dwell within Shane and me and, and love us and direct us and guide us and be with us and mature. It's, it's just incredible. I think the difficult thing is there's sometimes a false expectation. Because if you read the end of Hebrews chapter 11 before 12, <clears throat> right. it says they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were, right. they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts, mountains, caves, and holes in the ground. All of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Right. And we may not. Well, the world's stuff may not come to us. Christ was coming. But what about Moses? I mean, just before that, what, what, by faith, Moses... Mm -hmm. Now, this is for us. Listen to this. Us personally. Us men. Okay? Our, where are our hearts? By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he forsook the name. I want name. I want people to look at me. You know, He chose to be mistreated. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of this life. We get frustrated, we get concerned because we're trying to get the pleasures of this life. I want the peace that this life can give. I want the pleasures of this life. No, that's not what we're seeking after. That's not success. We're seeking after Him to give me His peace that my pleasure, my joy is in Him regardless of what happens in this life. Just like Moses, he chose to be mistreated, forsake all the pleasures of Pharaoh's daughter, why? Because he was looking ahead to his reward. And that's eternal. That's when Jesus is our focus. That's when he's our purpose. Not my job, not my work, not my feelings. It's him. So it's, it's, it's deep, but it's all about Christ. And Christ loves us so much in the here and now. He's working through us. This life isn't just, ah, oh, whatever, you know, he's coming in the end. No, this life has a purpose. And he's got a plan. He's got a course marked out for us that we need to run. I don't want to disobey the one who laid on the cross for me, who's given up everything for me, who's worthy of everything. I want to live my life here and now for him, that he is glorified. Yeah, I think of the life David lived one of the really a real struggle of a life and a lot of things happened in his life which didn't make much sense but then he also wrote Psalm 23 which is one of the most famous chapters for people grieving or going through hard times because it shows his relationship with Christ as a shepherd and a sheep mm -hmm. and that I do feel is not talking about the future with heaven is talking about the here and now and yes he doesn't promise that you're not going to have struggles but he does promise I'll be with you and I will provide for you and give you a way out of temptation and different things like that Right. so um, that's 
when I right. look at here and now, Psalm 23 is a good example for mm -hmm. scriptures. Right. And we'll talk about next time. We've got to close here. But um, even as we get with the sin that so easily entangles, even when we've sinned, even when we've blown it, sometimes that guilt keeps us from God. That's the consequence of sin. But God is so good and so loving and so kind that even in our sin and our rebellion, He wants us to come back and comfort us. Just like the woman thrown at His feet that was in adultery. He didn't condemn her. He loved her. We know the story of the prodigal son. When He sees him coming, He runs to him. So sin has devastating consequences and hinders us. But we have such a loving Father here and now, like we see in Psalm 23, but even in our worst moments, He just wants us to turn to Him, and He's going to comfort us. That's the kind of Father we have. Yeah, there's consequences, we understand that. But the comfort of the Father, even in our disobedience. Um, so sin is going to try to keep us from seeking God, but we'll talk about that next, uh, next Sunday. i got to close here. Great discussion, guys. Fantastic. I'll close in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word that teaches us, that admonishes us, God, that convicts us, that encourages us and comforts us. And we thank you for your spirit, Holy Spirit. We just ask that you would dominate our heart and our mind, changing our desires to be who you want us to be, Lord. Empower us, enable us, deepen our desire to be with you every day, to live our life for you and for your glory. Lord, you are worthy, so worthy. We thank you for your love. Give us a deeper understanding of it, Lord. Let us live out of that love to our spouses, our family, to those around us, that your name would be glorified. Amen. All right, keep seeking them, guys. Keep seeking. <laughs>